Well, Paul is facing a lot of conflict, isn't he? A lot of misunderstanding, a lot of obstacles and barriers. As soon as he gets to Jerusalem, things he has to face in his gospel ministry. And as Christians throughout history, and even for us today, facing conflict, facing misunderstandings and, and barriers and obstacles to our gospel ministry are a reality, aren't they? We face them in, in different contexts. How do we deal with um, situations in our church where there's conflict, there's different understandings about what we should do as a church, perhaps different um, understandings of how we interpret the Bible? How do we maintain unity amongst churches if we're trying to do something together in mission? How do you overcome a, a barrier when you're trying to witness to your work colleague, but they've judged you without even getting to know you? What do you do in a situation when you're talking to a Muslim and all they want to do is argue? How do you overcome a cultural barrier? How do you deal with all the questions that your non-Christian family ask you? The barriers that they put up, the walls that they they erect when you try and tell them the gospel. Lots of areas of of misunderstanding and conflict that we we have to face. Well, in this passage, the long passage that we've read uh, this evening, Paul is facing three different groups of people, three different situations where he's facing some kind of conflict or a misunderstanding in teaching or some kind of barrier between cultures. And so hopefully as we work through um, all, all of these, these verses, we'll learn something for ourselves of how we can overcome um, different barriers, obstacles that we may face in different contexts that we're in, particularly thinking missionally um, and reaching out uh, with, the, with the gospel. As you have seen already as you go through Acts where in this last section of the book um, Luke is, is, is showing us this kind of slowing the, the story down in a way focusing in on Paul and his journey to Jerusalem and on to, to Rome we've seen um, Luke fulfilling his point and purpose of, of the whole of Acts of the continuing work of Jesus and the gospel going out through the apostles by the power of the Spirit um, to all people to Jews and Gentiles and that's kind of the theme that we see going through uh, the book of Acts. So the scene is, is set for us. Paul has arrived finally in Jerusalem. He's been welcomed by, by the, the Christians there. Uh, they've, they've had a nice little uh, party. The next day they, they get together and Paul reports all that God has been doing uh, amongst the Gentiles. And I'm sure he probably just reflects on um, um, Acts chapter 13 onwards, all the different places that he's been to, the work that, that God has done by his spirit, through the apostles, in reaching out to the Gentiles and, and seeing amazing things happen, seeing churches planted, seeing people become Christians. He's reported all of this stuff and they praise God. And they praise God for all the many thousands of Jews that have become Christians in Jerusalem too. Lots of things to thank God for. But there seems to be a little problem, doesn't there? A problem in the back of the minds of those in Jerusalem. There's been this rumour, this talk going around that the Christians, that Paul is someone who is, has gone right against the, the law. He's teaching Jews in the Gentile areas not to follow Moses, not to circumcise their children. He's been accused of completely um, turning away, rejecting, perhaps even hating um, Judaism now. And it's obviously going to cause a problem, cause conflict, because many of the, the new Christians in Jerusalem are still passionate for the law. They still want to work and, and live and, and serve the law. And so what's the, the solution 
that James and the other elders come up with, how Paul can, can seek to solve this difficulty. Has Paul really turned his back on Judaism? Has he really turned his back on the law? Maybe people have, have heard of the letter to Galatians. Maybe they've, they've read it. Maybe they've heard about what Paul said to, to those in Rome as he's talked about the idea of the law and its fulfilment in Christ, that really it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, we're all in need of the gospel. We're all in need of salvation, aren't we, through Jesus. That's Paul's point. That's what he's been saying, is that that it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or if you follow the law, all of us. The law cannot save us. We need Jesus who came to fulfil the law. So the solution that is proposed is that Paul joins these men who have been uh, fulfilling some kind of vow, possibly the Nazarite vow, which you can read about in, in, in Numbers 6, men who are setting aside a part, of, a part of time to kind of really give themselves over to God. They grow their hair, they keep away from strong drink, and they're concentrating, consecrating themselves to God. And so Paul has been asked if he would go along, purify himself with them, pay their expenses for their sacrifices and for their, their head shaves. I wonder how much it costs to have your head shaved. I don't know. Um, but basically the idea was that through this, Paul would be seen to be not anti-Jewish, but to, to be like them. But some people have thought, well, hold on a minute. Isn't Paul compromising the gospel? Isn't he compromising his, all he's been teaching by going along with these things? But Paul knows in his heart that that he's free from the law. He knows that he's not saved by the law. <clears throat> he's been teaching that, hasn't he? That it's through Christ that we are saved. But he knows that, that to kind of break down the barriers, to come alongside those in Jerusalem, to have an opportunity to perhaps explain himself, to teach them, to educate them of, of the truths of the gospel. People who perhaps don't fully understand what now the law is supposed to be for Christians. He wants to be able to break down that barrier. To not have something that's going to be a stumbling block, but an opportunity, opportunity to explain. Paul has come across these issues before, hasn't he? When you read Romans 14, there's issues where, where Christians have a different understanding of, of what correct behaviour is for Christians. Some who, who know the law understand that we're not supposed to eat certain meats, and so they want to refrain from them. Others who, who, know, who want to eat meat and and that there seems to be judging between one another as Christians. And Paul talks about the idea of the conscience and that being, being a matter of the conscience, conscience. In the gospel, we're free. Free to eat meat, and you're free not to eat meat. But there's some things, aren't there, that, that go around um, in Christian culture that aren't necessarily prescribed in the Bible, but yet Christians differ in their views and opinions on what perhaps is appropriate behaviour, Christians have different understandings and interpretations of the Bible depending on how they, they would explain it. And Paul is saying, well, how do, we, how do we deal with these issues? How do we get, a, get across? How do we keep the gospel central? How do we stop ourselves being divided by things that, that aren't central, that aren't gospel issues? Sometimes there are, there are things that, that, that go, um, disagreements that people have in church. Perhaps, should Christians drink alcohol? Should Christians go to nightclubs? What should you wear to church? People in different churches have different views and opinions on these things, don't they? They're not gospel issues. The Bible doesn't clearly give us direction on these things. 
but they're kind of a matter for the conscience, matter of tradition. But the point is that we shouldn't judge. We shouldn't judge those who we think are doing things wrong, or we shouldn't boast. We shouldn't boast thinking that people haven't had a, a full understanding of the gospel yet because they're wanting to, to live in a certain way. <clears throat> As Christians, we want to maintain unity, don't we? And sometimes that means that we have to to think, well, how best can we live? How best can we behave as Christians? That's not going to compromise the gospel, that's going to aid, aid unity. If you've ever been to university, you've been part of a Christian union, and you'll know that often this is a, a big deal in, in a CU context. Christians from different backgrounds, who have from different church traditions, and yet they're wanting to be united in the gospel. Often they have different ideas of strategy, different ideas of what Christians should do, but yet they've got to maintain unity. And sometimes they have to pray, sometimes they have to, to be willing to, to do something else. Sometimes we have to be willing not to do things that we would usually do for the sake of unity. I don't know modern road that well yet, but are there issues perhaps in this church that, that cause conflict sometimes? Tension that there may be on the way that you do things or the way that you'd like to do things. Are there things perhaps in the past that, that have come through and perhaps new people who come in and that there's, there's a difference of conflict that needs to be worked out? What are the priorities? How can we overcome and remove barriers that become amongst us as Christians for the sake of gospel ministry? Secondly, Paul faces some, some conflict and some misunderstanding uh, in the, the wider culture, in those outside of the church. So Paul has joined these men in, in their purification rites, and we, he sees he goes along to the temple to let them know that he's doing this, that he's going to pay their expenses. But before he has an opportunity to be able to show that the, 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 the new Jewish Christians that he is, he's okay, really, some other Jews come and they accuse him. And exaggerate things and they cause an uproar, they tell lies about how he's brought Gentiles into the, the court, into the, the temple and he's now facing another situation that he has to overcome. These Jews from Asia, perhaps they've, they've met him before, maybe again they've, rumors have gone on around about what he's been doing and teaching over there and so they bring up these things again and they cause a, a great riot, did, did you notice as we read, um, they seize Paul, they drag him out of the temple, they, they beat him, they, they want to kill this guy because of what he's doing, what he's teaching, with his terrible acts of, of blasphemy and of bringing Gentiles into the, into the temple. Paul is facing a real difficult situation. But thankfully, that the Romans come and they, they step in and Paul is then given an opportunity to defend himself. So his, his, his barrier, his conflict, his misunderstanding is, is uh, these, these Jewish people who don't like his message, don't like the gospel that he's preaching. But he has an opportunity to overcome that barrier by preaching the gospel, an opportunity to speak to all the crowd, to explain who he is and to explain what is the truth of what he, what he preaches. But what does he do? I think there's some really helpful pointers of how Paul approaches this issue that we can learn in terms of how we then engage with others who don't want to listen to what we have to say when we, when we talk about preaching the gospel. First of all, Paul speaks in Aramaic. So he speaks the language of the people. 
As soon as they hear him speaking their own language, they stop and they, they listen. There's a connection there. There's something that's, that's of interest. Hey, this guy is, is a Jew. He's, he's one of us. And a lot of what he says throughout his testimony is he's wanted to really relate to them, to show how similar he is to them. He begins by talking about his past, doesn't he? He says that he was just as passionate for God as you are, that he was someone who went and persecuted the way, imprisoning Christians, doing all these, these things that these Jews probably wanted to do too. And so he's coming alongside them and he's saying, hey, look, I was just like you are. I understand where you're coming from. And as he goes along, he, he makes sure that he keeps it related to, to what they understand. He talks about God. He talks about having a vision in the temple, something that they would be impressed with. They'd want to hear, what is this vision that he's had? He's met the Lord. And so they keep listening to what he has to say. Yesterday we were wandering around town centre in Cardiff and um, there were lots of, kind of Christian activities going on. People were doing some open air, some were, were singing, some were offering healing on the streets. I had not seen that before, but it was, it was really interesting. Now, it got me thinking about times when I've walked around in, in streets and seen people preaching the gospel on the streets. And street preaching can, can either be done really well, or sometimes it can be done really badly. I don't know if you've ever seen the walking down the street and you have a man standing with his Bible and he's shouting out the gospel. But you ask the question, well, is he really being culturally relevant? Is he engaging with people that he's trying to reach? People see him far off and they take a wide path around him. They ignore him. They reject the message before they've even heard it. Some even throw insults at him and, and, and shout things back. But is he really engaging with the culture? How do we engage with a culture today that's on the whole anti-Christian or against Christianity? How do we reach out to those such people who, who don't want to hear the gospel? When we preach the gospel, we've got to make sure that people are, are listening, haven't we? Remember Roger Carswell saying that evangelism isn't evangelism unless people are listening. People have been preaching on the streets for, for centuries. But the thing they always have in common is that they've engaged their crowd. They've related to them. And so Paul tells us, he encourages us and can teach us that the way that we can engage with people in our local cultures is to try and connect with them, to find some kind of common ground um, with them, to meet them where they are, where they're at, to understand their background, to understand their issues, their questions be able to connect, to show how we are, are like them, and to bring the gospel into such context like that. That's what Paul did in, in Athens, isn't it, in Acts 17. He met people where they were. He engaged with an issue that was really relevant for them. He said that he sees that you people are very religious. He sees this idol, this statue to an unknown God, and he, he uses that as a way in to his gospel message. How do we engage with our culture today that is unchurched, that, is, that have put up all these different walls and barriers to the gospel, that are pretty much wanting to be against it? How do we break down those barriers? Well, there's a need for a relationship, isn't there? There's a need for trust. There's a need for them to get past what they see on the outside, to get to know us in person, in reality. 
And it's interesting to, to, to know that when, when churches, when different Christian groups put on evangelistic events, those people who bring along non-Christians are often those who are spending time with non-Christians. Those who have non-Christian friends and neighbours and who are living their life, lives in that context. They're showing who they are. They're building trust with their non-Christian friends. And they come along to, to hear the gospel. There's a man in, in Cardiff who's recently died, but he, he used to be a, a part of a committee who would look after the cemetery. A bit, a bit morbid, but that's what he used to do. His wife had died a, a good ten years beforehand, I think, and, and he would often go to, <clears throat> to her grave and, and look after the grave. And he would then meet other people who would be doing the same with their, their family members. And he built sort of relationships. He could connect with these people. He knew what they were going through. And he was able to engage the gospel to offer hope because of, of, of the gospel, because of what Jesus offers. What are the ways that the Jew as individuals can engage with the community? How can you break down the barriers, perhaps, of people who you work with? How can we connect with them and, and where, with where they are? to understand where they're coming from, what their issues are, what their questions are. How can we share our lives with those around us? I know often it can be a difficult thing, can't it, to, to have non-Christian friends. I know for myself, I always wanted to make that, a, make that a priority to try and have non-Christian contact in different ways, whether it's through a sports club or with your, with your neighbours, to enter into the community. As you know, we've recently had a son and it's been an opportunity for Alison to get to know other mums, um, non-Christians, and that she can, she can share something in common with. And yet, had opportunity to share her life, to share her faith in such situations. How can we break down barriers in our local culture? And then, thirdly, Paul faces um, a, a situation that's almost cross-cultural, in a way, as he tries to engage with those Roman soldiers in two parts. Paul has been beaten up by, by all these, these Jews. The Romans have rescued him, but they're not quite sure who he is. They have an idea of who he is. They think that he's some Egyptian that's been a terrorist, but they're not quite sure. And there they are. They're about to take him away again because he's causing more problems after his speech, and they want, they're wanting to flog him they're wanting to, to get a hold of him and beat him in such a real severe way to torture him, to try and get the truth out of him. So Paul is facing another problem, another area of conflict, another barrier of the, of the, the culture that he's trying to, to overcome. How does he overcome this? Well, a similar way to engaging with the local culture, he tries to connect with the culture. Do you notice that he, he speaks Greek to them? So when they first rescued him back in chapter 21, verse 37, at the end of that, he says, may I say something to you? Obviously he says it in Greek. And the the Roman commander there says, oh, do you speak Greek? And because he thought that he was this this Egyptian. And he explains that he is a Jew from Tarsus. And then later on he has an issue where he's about to be beaten and he he claims that he is a Roman citizen, which, which he is. You see, the issue was that if you were a Roman citizen, it was very bad for you to be, going, to be, to be arrested, to be tied up, to be imprisoned before you'd been found guilty. 
And so the Roman soldiers, they back off because this guy is a Roman citizen. He's to be shown respect. And so you see that Paul has used cultural identity, cultural things that he knows to be able to connect with those people. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember an HSBC advert a while ago. It was of a man in a, a foreign country and he was had a business meeting where they were sharing a meal and they brought out, I think it was an eel, to eat. And so he ate the eel and um, the polite thing to do in Britain is to clear your plate, to finish your food. And so he did so. And then they brought out another eel, a little bit bigger this time. But he kept on clearing his plate because that's the polite thing to do in British culture. And finally they bring out this you know, big, huge eel for him to eat. But the point is that he didn't understand that for their culture, the polite thing to do was to always leave something on your plate. Um, we can face that, some, we may face that when we're trying to witness cross-culturally. There are often issues when you talk to missionaries of, of trying to how do we engage with foreign cultures where there are different worldviews, where just even their understanding of who God is is completely different. You can't just go in and talk about God because what they think about God is, is something different. Barriers of, of, of different ways that people behave. It's a story of a group of Muslims that had become Christians. And um, there was a, a Christian come along to, to do a Bible study. And he brought his Bible with him, but he put his Bible on the floor. And these Muslim converts to Christianity were horrified that he would treat the Bible in, with such disgrace, not understanding the cultural issues. I know that in some parts of, of Oxford, there are people from different cultures, different countries, people who speak different languages. And then as a church, I'm sure you're, ooh, as a church, <laughs> you're wanting to, to engage, to reach out to, to these people. But how do we do it? If we don't know who they are, we don't speak their language, we're not able to connect with, with their understanding on things, well, we have to cross the culture, don't we? We have to engage. I don't necessarily suggest we go and learn their language, but we can find out ways, find out things that are similar about our cultures. Hudson Taylor, a famous missionary to China, he only began to make real impact in his work when he took on cultural, to engage with the culture. He wore the Chinese dress code. He had his hair shaped like a Chinaman. And because they saw that he was willing to connect and to engage with the culture, he, he had success. They were willing to listen to his message. And it's the same with us as we seek to reach out to, to different cultures. How do we engage with them, getting to know them, understanding their context, understanding what their worldview is, what are the behavioural differences, perhaps, the customs that are different, that could be a barrier to the gospel that we need to seek to remove so we're able to engage with the gospel. As Paul has entered Jerusalem, as he's seeking to obey the Holy Spirit, he knows that the suffering is, is awaiting him. He's been told that time and again. And he's willing to, to go and to serve the Lord. He knows that the gospel is for all people. His ambition is to, to head to Rome. And he knows that the gospel is to spread out to the whole world. And as Acts ends at chapter 28, the, the mission has carried on, hasn't it? Throughout the generations, throughout the, the centuries across the world, to us here today in Britain, in Oxford, 
We're a part of God's mission to preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit to reach out to people of all cultures. And yet we know that suffering is awaiting us. We know there's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulties that we face. There's going to be barriers that are going to be put up between the, between the gospel and non-Christians. Hopefully this evening, as we've, been, as we've looked at Paul, looked at how he sought to overcome those difficulties, to engage with the culture. Hopefully as a church, you can begin to think, well, how, how does this apply to us? How can we engage with the specific issues in our church? Maybe the ways that you try to do things with other churches in the city. What are the issues that, that cause conflict between the different churches? What's the wise thing to do to keep unity amongst Christians? How do we engage with, with those of different cultures? How do we engage with those who, who don't want to listen? Non-Christian friends and colleagues and family. How do we overcome these barriers? The Lord Jesus faced opposition, didn't he? He faced cultural barriers. He faced conflict that he had to deal with. And he, he overcame all those things. He fulfilled the law for us. He died upon a cross to save us from our sins. He's the saviour of the world. And all the worlds need to hear the glorious gospel. That's my prayer this evening is that we as Christians would be able to encourage one another, support one another in knowing how best to engage with the culture around us. Knowing that one day when all comes to an end and the Lord Jesus returns, we as a church will be, will be gathered together as people from all, all nations, all tribes, all peoples and will worship the Lord together forever. Let me take a moment just, just quietly ourselves. Maybe you can think of specific situations that, that you're experiencing in your own life. Areas of conflict, areas of opposition or barriers that, that you have with your non-Christian friends. And pray and ask the Lord that he would help you know how to best overcome those barriers. Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel Thank you for all that you've done for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've overcome the barriers that we had in our own hearts towards the gospel. That you broke through by your spirit and you've changed us. And Lord, as we seek to reach out to the world around us, to share the good news with them, we know that we have an enemy who's seeking to stop us. We know that we're going to face conflict misunderstanding, there are going to be barriers that we need to overcome as we communicate the gospel. Well, I pray that as individuals we will know how it is that we can engage with those that we know. And Lord, I pray that as a church that you would guide Morden Road to, to, to see how they can best reach East Oxford, Oxford and the world. To be able to overcome those barriers, those obstacles, to connect with people who perhaps wouldn't necessarily connect with us. That our passion is for all people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we long for you to do your work, for you to break down these barriers. Although we want to be willing servants 
we need to, to be able to do that in this place. So help us, lead and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.